I could easily have called this episode I'm with Wilson Pickett on this occasion uh, but I've called it A Beatle Speaks on Black Lives Matter because that's more catchy uh, Wilson Pickett, the link well, there was a moment you know, I'm a rock and roll historian I think I really am uh, there was a moment in time, a long time ago, in the 1970s, uh, when, and I mentioned this another time, that uh, most of my little comments are buried in hour-long episodes, and you're never going to hear them anyway. Uh, this might be a shorter episode, you know, so let's, let's uh, bring, it, bring that anecdote up a little, you know, to the start of an episode. Uh, Tom Jones... The Welsh singer. Uh, Gee, he made Ed Sheeran look a bit silly, in my opinion, at one of our grand finals here in Melbourne. Uh, But anyway, um, Tom Jones, back in the 1970s, used to have a a show. You know, a sort of show where he'd bring on other stars, rock stars onto his show, but he ran the show. He was the boss. Tom Jones was the boss. And uh, and one day he invited Wilson Pickett, the great Wilson Pickett, onto his show, and uh, they ended up getting into an argument. Now, the substance of this argument, I think, is uh, a microcosm, a small example of all the drama that sits below the idea, the modern idea, of Black Lives Matter. Because it's not only about police brutality. It's about your experience, as far as I know. Um, I'm not speaking from my own knowledge base. I'm speaking from uh, what I hear from people who know I don't. But, you know, it's, it's the thing about your experience from birth to the grave and even afterwards. Yeah, being a people, uh, being a person of colour. Um, now, look, obviously there are examples of people who drag themselves up from the gutter. You know, like little Richard or Wilson Pickett, you know. Uh, but the, both those guys had to stand back and watch. Uh, white rock and rollers take their music, you know, their, you know, appropriate their cultural, cultural sort of style and make billions out of it and, and, and kind of sit in the shadows and watch. You know, because uh, if, you, um, if you Google now, you know, the greatest 100 rock bands in history, I'm pretty sure there's, there'd be less than two or three black bands. I'm using the term black at the moment because, you know, I have permission from public discourse now um now that's interesting isn't it because it's black music really rock and roll and rock uh, you know i think i think little richard started rock you know and i, I you know i think you know fats domino and a few others um uh, started rock and roll you know chuck berry and all that sort of stuff you know look they brought a pretty boy in because we couldn't have a black man as king so they brought a pretty boy up, you know, who was singing rock and roll, black man music, 
and made him king, Elvis, but we couldn't have little Richard's king, you know, even though he was a much more legitimate king of rock and roll than Elvis was in that time. Yeah, little Richard wrote his own songs for a start. Uh, Elvis was just a pretty boy front man singing other people's songs, including little Richard's songs. So, um, but uh, Wilson Pickett, uh, you know, he um, got into an argument with Tom Jones on the Tom Jones show. Look, Tom Jones wasn't the only white rocker with the show. It was easier for a white rocker to get a, a show going, you know, and then invite African-Americans onto his show, you know, than it was the other way around in that time, you know. Um, anyway, they got into an argument, and Tom Jones got pretty angry. He said, hey, I'm giving you exposure, you know. I'm giving you a gig on my show, an audience of millions... And Wilson Pickett says, yes, but I'm angry, you know, um, that it has to be you inviting me onto your show. Why aren't I inviting you onto my show? And Tom Jones actually did get angry, and he, and he maintained that anger. You know, it ended up in his autobiography, and I think he's still upset about it uh, because he loves Wilson Pickett. See, Tom Jones was a bit confused by all this. Um... Now, this is just one example of millions of examples of how, in micro ways, um, your, your, your experience as an African-American, you know, can, can just uh, put you under the heel, you know, in little ways all through your life. Except for the exceptions, of course, but the exceptions don't make the rule, you know. All right. Now, um, so they got into an argument... And it ended up with Tom Jones getting really angry at um, Wilson Pickett and saying, stuff you. And uh, Tom Jones called up Little Richard instead. And Little Richard came on the show in Wilson Pickett's stead. Now, Little Richard wasn't the sort of person who'd complain about that. The only thing he wanted was fame and getting out of the gutter. You know, Little Richard was pretty single-minded about that and he was a massive ego and a few things like that. So, look, he wasn't a black icon. Little Richard, he was just black. And he, you know, and he was born with the idea that he was a king, you know, far beyond his skin colour. So he really didn't buy into the whole race thing like Muhammad Ali, his friend Muhammad Ali did, you know. Little Richard said, listen, I care about one thing only and that's me becoming the king. That's all he cared about. So he opted out a little bit, but, you know, that's his right. Michelle Obama said when little Richard died a couple of weeks ago um, that he, uh, I respect the fact that he insisted on being himself. Michelle Obama said that, so she understood that. Um, you know, not everyone has to, you know, look, if you're African-American, you don't have to um, wear the ribbon you know, little Richard would not have made a black square if he was on Instagram. Yeah, he would have made a rainbow <laughs> square probably, but not because he was a, bl- a gay icon either, even though he was gay. Well, he was everything. Um, but he, he was shunned by the black community and he was shunned by the gay community too. He was not a gay icon either, even though he was the first major raving fag in rock and roll.
All right. Now, um, that sounded a bit raw, me saying that, but he'd be happy to say that himself. In, in fact, he used to say things a lot worse than that. Um, he, and he was shunned by the gay community too uh, because, um, you know, he cured himself of his gayness. Look, he never did. But, he, you know, in his mind he did. Look, I don't know. You know, maybe he knows himself better than I know him. What do you think? You know, but this episode is not about all of that. The point is he was himself. But look, Tom Jones was genuinely upset because um, like all the white rockers, you know, I'm talking Beatles, Elvis, Beatles, Elton John, David Bowie, ACDC, Metallica, all of them. um, Even Bob Dylan wanted to start out as a rocker. Everyone I mentioned just then, every single one of them uh, started out wanting to be Little Richard, every single one of them. Yeah, Mick Jagger, you know, and the Beatles, all of them. All right. Um, I bet what Little Richard then had to sit back while they all made billions of dollars and he didn't. Look, he made a fair bit of money, but, you know, in the many thousands, not the many billions. Okay, so that's that. Yeah. And, and, and this is an episode that could feed into the Black Lives Matter um, debate without actually, um, without actually um, you know, covering the issue of Black Lives Matter. You know, I, I know on social media, I'm not on social media, but I know on social media you have to come up with a, uh, a catch-all comment, a slogan or something that nails it, you know, whereas, you know, the idea of an episode like this, and nails it in a couple of words, but, you know, I'm going to say hundreds of words and, um, and, and contribute less than 0.01% of the, the whole picture of what Black Lives Matter is all about in that many words, you know, so I don't belong on social media because I have to cover 100% of the issue in three words, Black Lives Matter, actually, you know, but those three words don't cover it. You know, uh, but there you go. Um, so it's not as simple as, you know, like social media, I'm sure, is making it out to be, you know, with memes. Okay, so they got into a fight. Now, Tom Jones was upset um, because he got into rock and roll because he truly loved black music and so did the Beatles and all that sort of stuff it was close to adoration you know you can google it yourself but the way uh, for example you know John Lennon thought of Elvis but more of Little Richard was close to idolation idolatry you know um, and same goes for most of them. All right. So it's gen- you know they saw themselves as genuinely um, uh, paying tribute. You know, and and Tom Jones I think was sort of saying this to Wilson Pickett. Listen, I love you. I love you. You know why are you fighting me? I love you. I'm on your side. Yeah. And Wilson Pickett saying yes, but why am I going on your show? Why aren't you going on mine? He's, and Tom Jones says, I didn't make the rules. Look, he didn't even think that far into it, I don't think. Look, I don't know what Tom Jones was thinking. But Tom Jones was genuinely put out 
you know, he was trying to pay respect and um, and pay a tribute to one of his heroes, Wilson Pickett, and here was Wilson Pickett attacking him. And I think I think um, Tom Jones was genuinely upset. I don't think he was lying. Um, and now now Tom Jones. Um, he maintained that respect throughout his whole life. You know, for example, right up to when Little Richard died a couple of weeks ago, Tom Jones was still in contact with Little Richard, ringing him and all that sort of stuff. Hey, go, mate, you know. Were you? You know, little, uh, this is, you know, this is men in their 80s. Uh, um, so, um, you know, so he made, you know, the respect was real, but he couldn't understand why Wilson Pickett was angry at him, and that's in his autobiography. You can grab Tom Jones's autobiography to this day and and see that um, frustration between Wilson Pickett and Tom Jones, um, where no one was doing anything wrong, but somehow Tom Jones had the show, and Wilson Pickett didn't. You know, the system was wrong. Okay, now I, I was reminded of this again this morning uh, because. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Now, if anyone has been a uh, bigger beneficiary of uh, benefiting, you know, <laughs> I used the same word twice there, from um, black culture in the music sense on earth, you know, then Paul McCartney is, I'd like to know that person's name. But, you know, Paul's made billions out of it. Now, Paul's love of little Richard and so on is genuine and Chuck Berry and all the rest of them, you know. Um, I mean, the Beatles, I'm pretty sure, finished every gig live show they ever did with a little Richard song, Long Tall Sally, you know. As a rule, the Beatles finished every show they ever did with Long Tall Sally, you know. But uh, Little Richard's best bet at that point in time was to be in the audience. You know? Paul was making the billions at that point. Well, millions back then, but it turned into billions. And, 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 um, and the Beatles were doing everything Little Richard um, and it taught them to do, in a sense. You know, because Little Richard knew how to raise a riot and the Beatles just um, Xeroxed that. You know, and Beatlemania was a um, was you know Little Richard mania, which had existed in the fifties, rebooted for the nineteen sixties, and it was very real. Uh, the Beatles were uh, an astonishingly um, riot-based rock and roll band. Yeah, they're not safe. They weren't safe. They were dangerous in a Little Richard way. But the point is. All the African-American rock and rollers slowly had to st- sort of stand back and watch as the, as, the, as the English rock bands, the Anglo kids, all got rich and famous on their music. You know, to the, to the, you know Chuck Berry just faded away. He really did. And ended up having to make a comeback with a, with a crappy novelty song called My Dingaling. You know, when I was a kid, which is very rude, very Chuck Berry and all that sort of stuff. But that was the best he could do. And this was, he was an architect of a certain, you know, stream of rock and roll. And little Richard, he was just, you know, playing crappy clubs in France. 
and desperate for another record contract that he couldn't get. And all of them were in that sort of situation. Yeah, Elvis made a comeback, but look, little Richard couldn't really. He tried in the 1970s. He, um, he experimented with a dizzying array of styles that made your head spin in the, 90s, in the 1970s, but they weren't inviting him back. They invited Elvis back, yeah. And um, Elvis said thank you very much and then got fat and died. But the point is, Elvis was still king. Anyway, so, um, look, I understood where Wilson Pickett was coming from. You could feed this in, this episode, because I know about rock and roll but not much else. Uh, So I can contribute that much, Yeah, because I'm one of those little white teenage boys, skinny white boys, or always skinny white boys, you know, that seem to uh, get swept up by little Richard and all this sort of stuff. You know, you can psychoanalyse that. Uh, you know, whether it be the boys from ACDC or the Beatles or anyone else, or me or David Bowie or Elton John or Bob Dylan or any of the rest of them, there's a, there's, a, there's a whole class of skinny, white, Anglo boys <laughs> that um, were swept away by, you know, this African-American wild man, Little Richard and others, but mainly Little Richard. You know? But Wilson Pickett, you know, soul. Um, all right, so... Um, so there's that, you know. But just this morning, speaking of the Beatles, um, Paul McCartney... Now, I wonder if I can find it, because I lost the website. Just a minute. And if I don't, I won't bother going any further. I'm just on my phone speaking, and... Uh, it was here somewhere. Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney. Look, I won't be able to find it, but um, I did make a text to my uh, a niece... And it went like this. And uh, I've, I've, I sent a f- screenshot of the headline. Paul McCartney, colon, saying nothing about George Floyd's death is not an option. You know, and I do remember that the, he, one of the comments he made was, I am sick and angry you know, at what's happening. You know, police brutality, Black Lives Matter, all that sort of thing. So Paul McCartney saying silence is not an option. Look, silence is an option on all sorts of other injustices, of course. You know, the right, for example, of people in Melbourne yesterday uh, who have underlying health issues like cancer and a few other things to not have Black Lives Matter protesters marching in their tens of thousands um, during a virus, um, you know, and, and risking death, you know, to them, the cancer sufferers, you know. So, you know, <laughs> look, in my previous episode, I said these um, causes, they come in waves, you know. So Black Lives Matter is the only thing that matters at the moment. Last week it was coronavirus, and the week before that it was the environment, and the week before that it was, you know, refugees, and the week before that, you know, terrorism, and so on and so forth. And it goes back and back and back, but we can only concentrate on one thing at a time. You know, we haven't had one for elderly people, lonely in um, in nursing homes. You know, maybe that's the next wave. I doubt it. We don't actually care much about each other. Yeah, but you know that should be the next wave after Black Lives Matter, elderly lives matter. You know, particularly when it comes to your decision to go marching in the middle of a virus. You know, to the tune of ten thousand people, forty thousand people in Melbourne, all closely, tightly packed. You know, maybe we'll get away with that without a cluster. But, you know, maybe we won't. Maybe you just killed a hell of a lot of people, you protesters. 
are, but Black Lives Matter is the only thing that matters at the moment. But this is not what this episode's about. This, life, this episode is about Black Lives Matter, so let's get back to it. Now, Paul McCartney, correctly, says, saying nothing about um, George Floyd's death is not an option, and he has said that he's sick and angry about that. Uh, uh, he hasn't said that he's... Um, his silence about a whole lot of other things are a problem. For example, the wealth gap between, you know, people in a country like America especially, you know, and all he's complaining back when he was younger about the tax system in England, which, um, you know, tried to limit that um, wealth gap. You know, the song Tax Man by the Beatles, you know, and look, admittedly, that was written by... George Harrison, but it's, um, it was the attitude of the Beatles at the time. Hey, you're taking too much tax off us, you know, because we're making millions and we're losing like 800,000 and getting to keep only 200,000 for ourselves. Well, a socialist would say, what's wrong with that? You know, but in America, uh, where, you know, people like Paul McCartney are most happy, um, the wealth gap is encouraged. You know, but silence is an option on that, isn't it, Paul? You know, but maybe that's the next wave the wealth gap you know but I think Paul might stay silent on that and might and Meryl might too all right so anyway I ended up sending a text to Anise and it went like this Paul and all the other white boys doing rock and roll you know Beatles Elton John David Bowie Led Zeppelin ACDC etc 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 have made billions appropriating black music the music crossover process wasn't even subtle. It was blatant and out in the open and well documented. To the point that if you were to Google 100 super rich greatest rock bands and singers in history, I don't mind my grandma when I'm texting, by the way. So um, open brackets, which I haven't done, close brackets. I doubt you would find any black artists. Jimmy, maybe, in death. You know, Jimi Hendrix, yeah. He was, um, he was, he started out in Little Richard's band too. All right. Now, Paul said today that he is sick and angry about police brutality, which is an important thing for him to say, of course. However, exclamation mark, you know, you have to make your texts sound excited, even if you're not actually excited deep down. He is decidedly less sick and angry about, firstly, the wealth gap in society in general, but more importantly for current debate, the fact that perhaps nobody on the planet has benefited more than him, benefited more than him from direct, not even indirect, theft of black culture for white benefit. Now, now Paul would call that a tribute. He was paying a tribute to black music by playing black music and making billions out of it. But gee, you know, Wilson Pickett would argue, yeah, but isn't it funny how you get to make the billions and we don't? I know it's a tribute, you know? Yeah, I know you're paying respects to us, but far out, you're walking away with all the money as well, you know? And then as a side, um, and then that was the end, that's the end of my episode. Uh, but I did uh, have a little coda at the end of that text message, you know, which is, you know, an afterthought, you know, um, an epilogue. Um, and I've written, P.S. Rap is stealing black music back from the White Rockers, which I think, you know, sick 
is a historic corrective. You know, I didn't write is. You know, my, my grammar falls away in my texts. Heaps of rappers at the top of the rap heap are black, as far as I can tell. You know, I say as far as I can tell there because I actually don't like rap. Now, the funny thing is, here's where I'm a hypocrite. Well, I'm not because I don't claim to be good. You know, I'm not a Paul McCartney, you know. Um, I don't claim to be a good guy, a beautiful person, a Meryl, you know. Uh, Meryl's a whole other story. She once stole an Oscar <laughs> um, of, you know, some other person who would have got it had Meryl not done an inspiring speech just at the right moment before the, before the Oscar Academy was about to vote. You know, but anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, and and she got brutally, she got so upset at Donald Trump for picking on disabled people a couple of weeks later after she had stolen that Oscar nomination off someone who would definitely have got it, but for that rousing speech. And do you think Meryl times those things? I do. You know, those rousing speeches she does, they're always just before a Golden Globe or just before an Academy Award. You know, and then she gets nominated left, right, and centre in an outpouring of love for Meryl Streep, but not of her latest movie, perhaps, but you know, of the Academy Award sort of style speech, you know, about being a good person. You know, but just after that last one, which was her record-breaking nomination, um, she made another uh, furious speech. You know, after being furious at Trump in the first speech and the second one was at her dressmaker, you know, for not doing her dress quite right. And her fury was exactly the same. And, um, and she said, um, you are trying to ruin my historic moment as, you know, you know my record-breaking Academy Award moment by stuffing up my dress. And the fury was at exactly the same level. In, you know, I found that very interesting. But, uh, but back to Paul, ah, uh, yes. So, P.S. Rap is stealing black music back from the White Rockers, which I think is a historic corrective. Heaps of rappers at the top of the rap heap are black, as far as I can tell. Ah, yes, I remember what I was saying. Yeah, um, now it's a funny thing. With I got interrupted by an incoming phone call, as happens on my podcast when I speak too much on my phone. Right. So what was I saying? Ah, yes. So me, personally, well, this podcast is not about me or my opinions or anything like that. It's just me, you know, having thought bubbles. Um, I don't want whatever's in my head to, you know, be shoved into your head. You know, that's not my aim. I don't care. I don't care. And I I don't even care if I come across as a pig, you know, because if anyone, you know, started to think that I was as nice as Meryl Streep or Paul McCartney, I would vomit. I don't want to be associated with good people. And they are good people. They do a lot of good in the world, and I do none. But the funny thing is, I don't want to be associated with good people. You know, I don't like it. Um, I'd rather be thought of as a racist pig than, you know, well, a hypocrite. Right, now, um, so, and, you know, and I am... You know, I am part of the problem. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And, you know, case in point, um, of all the music I've ever bought, 98% of it is 
white people singing black people's cultural music, rock and roll and so on, rock. In fact, the person I listen to most in the world is Paul McCartney. Yeah. Uh, you can Google it yourself. I've got a playlist on Spotify. Um, it's called Charlie Threadbow Paul McCartney. Yeah, and this is just his solo stuff, not even his Beatles stuff. And that playlist runs to 15 hours and I listen to it all the time. Yeah, I'm giving Paul a lot of money. But I'm not giving little Richard much money while he's dead. You know. um, so, uh, and I've been doing that all my life. I'm one of those people who likes listening to white people singing black music. And, uh, you know, black, black singers don't really do it for me. Now, I should train myself to like black black people singing black people's music more but I just tend not to like it on average yeah, there's, there's stuff I do like obviously you know Little Richard and I do really get into you know sometimes I'm in the mood for Jimi Hendrix no doubt about it can't stand rap though just can't stand it yeah but that's a little bit of a product of you know I was a teenager in the 70s and there was no rap back then you know <sighs> so there's that yeah I do like Aretha Franklin. <laughs> I can't resist either Aretha Franklin. You know. I don't, I'm not trying to resist anybody. I'm just saying what I like to listen to, and most often that is white people singing, you know, appropriating black culture. That's what I like listening to, and I'll continue listening to that. I'm not, I'm not actually working very hard to correct that and get some streaming dollars going to the people who, whose culture it is. All right, so I'm part of the problem. And, but that's a whole other story. This podcast is not about me, you know. But it, these little, you know, side anecdotes are interesting in their own way. Uh, but I did make that point. Uh, let's get back to it. Hang on, I'm juggling coffee. Uh, what was that point? Uh, P.S. Rap is stealing black music back from the white rockers, which I think is good. All right then. Um, this, I think, is in sharp contrast you know, with rock, where just about everyone on top of the heap ever has been white. So, you know, not all unjust in the end. However, I think Paul McCartney, you know, today, should lie low. Shut up. And enjoy his billions and not do a meryl on this occasion. The occasion of the current wave that matters being Black Lives Matter.